you got to calibrate success because there's a lot of guys we went to school with who are doctors, lawyers, like there's a lot of dudes who are successful. We just get to keep doing football every single day. Like I, I was talking with one of our guys that we graduated that I lived with senior year. He's finished with his residency. He's mm-hmm. a legitimate doctor. Like he's like, if something goes wrong at three in the morning, the nurse is calling me. Yeah. Like if a dude's bleeding out in the yeah. hallway, he's calling me. Yeah. And other guys are talking about, you know, multi-million dollar yeah. mergers yeah. on Wall Street. Working on I'm like, he's like, if yeah. I screw up a comma, it's done. <laughs> like, like, you owe someone $150 million because I screwed up. I was like, I don't understand what you're even talking yeah, about. So I'm going to worry about cover three beers. Somebody's pulling me close to the ground. I'm panicked. I've been here before. Seems like only yesterday when I got up on that stage in front of that crowd and showed them who was who and what was what. Man, look at these suckers. I ain't no rapper. I'm a hustler. Just so happens I know how to rap. Okay, I'm reloaded. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to episode 17 of the Sideline Hustle podcast. This is your host, Drew Lieberman. We have another two-part project to finish off the Coaching Carousel series. Today is by far the most hilarious episode we've ever put together. Shout out to my boys, Steve, Kyle, Rocco, Kevin, Jared, Lou, Bobby, and Troy. We sat in a small Airbnb down in Charlotte during the coaches' convention and shared our stories about the lengths we've gone to in order to break into the profession and the crazy things we've done to try to move up the ladder as a young coach. We also share some really interesting thoughts on the current state of the profession as a whole from a young coach's perspective. And we talk about our experiences attending the AFCA Coaches Convention and what you can do to maximize your time there. Tomorrow, January 23rd, we will come out with the fourth and final part of the Coaching Carousel series. We will get back to business and talk about our first priorities as a GA, position coach, and head coach after taking a new job and finish by sharing our experiences working on a staff that gets fired. Leaves a good deal getting everybody in here. Yeah, yeah I don't even know what I'm I said glad. anymore. Yeah, who knows if that was nah, good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Kyle, by the way, man. I'm Bobby. Bobby, nice where are you working? I was working. We got let go. Oh, yeah. D2 in North Dakota. Sorry to hear, man. How it goes? Yeah. I got a question. Maybe this can actually go on the podcast first thing I say, but how do you do it the right way? Like, for all of us in here that have done the nonsense, how do you do it the right way when you're the old guy? And you've got some 24-year-old who's willing to cut bait and do whatever. Right. Like, everyone here has talked about, That's I'll do whatever I need to do to get this thing going. How do you do it the right way when you're the grown-up? Show some respect. No, I well, think hey, a lot of it has to do with the person that you are. Like, yeah, you have true. to, a lot of the people that we see in this profession, it, it has everything to do with the real world. Like, you meet good people and you meet None of what we've talked about is the real world. No. No, no, not even close. But it should really happen, though. Correct. <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't. No pun intended. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. It should. You're goddamn right. You, you meet the good people and you meet the bad people. And yeah. I think as soon as you get in the profession, you already know. But Why? Why you're doing it? Right. Like, you find that out real fast. It, maybe not necessarily at the lower levels, but if you at the top level, like, our DB coach that we worked with was one of the best people yeah. I've ever met in my life. Yes. Good people are good people, and at the end of the day, like, in our profession... Which is so weird not, to me is that, like, so many GAs... Shouldn't, it I mean, shouldn't have to be that way. But, like, so yeah. many GAs, like, all of us have, like, tell these... Like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure if we... The people we talk about tonight, if they had to tell GA stories, they'd have similar they ones. And, and so, like, you're like, we'll never do that. 
And then you get to be that guy and you get to be that full-time guy and you're still doing it to that generation too below you. Like, at what point are you just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then where you eventually get so much power, like, yeah, it was done to me. And you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's, it, it's like a thing of power. I think, I think it's just, you've been trained that way. So now you don't know another don't way know of training. See, right. I, and so maybe because it worked for you, because I, of where I you're at. You, no, you're I, I, person, see, I, do, I do think it is somebody that likes the power. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do. I, yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. I think, once you're in that position, you can treat it how you want to. Like, I've had coaches that treated me great, and I've had coaches that gave me the, you know what I mean? And, and that's their choice, which is fine. But I've had coaches that, you could ask me to do something, but there's different ways to ask me to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, I, if I want to do it for you, it's because you probably presented it in a way that I want to work for you. And it's, it's the same way as a player wants to play for a coach. If I'm a, if I'm a like, GA yeah, yeah. or right. a PD, like, if a guy coach. comes in and asks me to create a PowerPoint, bro, oh, yeah, if, I, if I don't respect the way you asked me to do it, then I probably won't do it to the full potential, which, is, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get to where you're at. So I've had a ton of coaches like, hey, do you really want this? Bro, I want it. It's not, it's not for you. Right, I want it, but not the way you're doing it. Yeah, it's got to be about ego because... All of us have ego. Everyone in this room has one hundred percent. No, I think it's a combination of all three. Though I think it's I think it's ego. I think it's the pride of a person you are. I think it's also the way you were brought up in it, though. I really think there are some guys that believe that had had to suffer so much, and they thought that them suffering proved themselves to the coaches above them. Well, if that's the case, like, but I think that's what some guys. I think some guys think like if you're gonna be tough enough to coach, you have to suffer the way I suffer. I will just say that that I will never. And part of the experience that I've had that I love is. I've seen the worst parts of football. Yeah. What's right. the opposite end of that question? What's the best parts of being a GA? The amount you get to the learn. relationships that you have with the kids. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good relationship that's a really good as a GA. Like the coaches have no idea. As a GA, you have relationships with the kids that they will never understand. That's such a transitional period because the kids trust you on such different yeah. levels. Yeah. The kids really know what they're really doing, cool. and they no, that's can true. have that influence. Really cool. So the that's kids really will cool. go tell the coach something, and they'll come up to you and be like, "Hey, listen, so like, this is what I'm going yeah. through," and you can relate to it because, bro, you're like two or three years out of school. Right. You're like, I'm getting treated like that. I'm just like, you're no doubt. So. Like, you're getting treated at a lower level, and you're like, you can relate to the kids, because you're like, hey, listen, like, I'm right here with, like, listen, let's get to the point that we, everybody wants the same thing, you want to win, and to get to that point, like, you got to get to, everybody has to be on a relationship level, and if you don't have that, and we've seen it, if you're not on that relationship level, from top down, it's discombobulated, like, bro, you break apart, but... As a GA, like you have, you can tell what's going on on the front line. You know what I mean? Like the kids, you know if they want to play for a coach. You know if they want to play for the school. And you know if they want to go forward with the process that is put in front of them. If you don't have that, then... I think an important point to bring up is GA means quality control analyst. Right. Whatever that young young guy role is, where you can have direct contact with those younger guys and you all, again we talked about understanding what the struggle is or whatever you want to call that but it's not just one position like at least in my experience all those guys are on the same level of elevating and really you're a middleman you have to be the translator between because when I was a player the worst thing in the world is that I didn't want to know that my coach like oh, I should have known that three weeks ago you have a guy that you can hey like what did we do on that we changed that two weeks ago but are we sure are we still doing it that way a lot of, yeah, a lot you of... You need that guy that you can trust that says, I'm not going to write you. I'm like, how, how do you not know that? 
Right. You need to be that guy that can get things done week to week. Let's, let's be honest. At that level, it's all performance. Yeah. Every right. week is performance. Based. Every week, you're right. <laughs> but I think at that intermediate level where you're a GA or a PD, quality control, you have you are the mediator, as you said, to what your goal is and what the kids are actually thinking. Well, what's crazy is you don't even know it at the time because, like, especially when you're that guy, you're so worried with, I got to learn this scheme, I got to learn next week's breakdown because I don't know it, uh, like, quote, unquote, I don't know enough about what I need to know about. And while you're doing that, the most important thing you could possibly be doing is the most basic thing, the most thing, the, the reason you got into it, which is dealing with the kids. We started because we love football. But the reason you stay in it it's because of the relationships that you build within football. Yeah, but I think there's a lot more coaches that start that don't start. Like I think they started to make money, and, I, it, go, and it goes bad to the good. It goes back to the and good and bad doing people. Right by the kids. Right. So we started obviously because we all love football. We can't see ourselves doing other things. But the reason that we stay in it is because the relationship that we built. Yeah. Like I, I love recruiting. I love hanging out with the kids. Like you think about the football aspect. Like to me, that's just an additive like in your tone with the kids is going to change by what your timetable is as a coach what your pressure or squeeze is or right. your contract or your ad situation like if you if you have a firm foundation and a program you can take your time you don't have to rush you don't have to take the wrong kids you can treat each guy in his own circumstance because there's guys who need that time and they will be a great player but if you rush and you say hey i need to throw him to the curb because i got a year and i'm done it's a totally different ball game and the kids feel that a thousand percent. The kids a hundred percent feel that, and I agree with that. Yeah. The kid, and again, it goes back to a cohesive environment. Like we were at an environment where it broke apart, and we saw what happened. And I'm looking at out. I've been in environments where everybody was on the same page, and you could have a low level of talent, but as long as everybody's buying into what you're doing, and, and it goes back to the GA. Like the GA is. Again, like what you said, it, it's the transition from the coaches to the players. But patience, the patience, too, of taking that kid who's going to develop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to develop a guy, you can take a guy and develop a guy. If you know that in four years, you're going to be the guy to reap the yeah. benefits. You have yeah. to be in a good program to exactly. do that. To trust that exactly. and do things, you know, quote, yeah. unquote, the right way to, to maximize that kid and the Right, even allowing community. yourself to have patience with a kid. Like, if this well, kid's screwing up, it's like, oh, well, okay, I'm here for four years, let me have patience, where it's like... That boils down to relationships, too. Like, if you're willing to spend the time developing a kid to try and see the payoff in four years, it's because you have a good relationship with whoever your boss is, and that you trust he's going to give you the time. Absolutely. You look at UCF. UCF went 0-12 two years ago, right? And they brought in a new coach who they believed in. The same players, they had 51 players on the roster, same... Same team. And they went undefeated this year. They had 51 players on their roster that came back, and now they're undefeated, and it has everything to do with your leadership. If you want to play for a coach and you get the right players in the program, those are the two things that build the program. I'm going to kick this to Kyle. How long does that take to rebuild? How long does that take to gain the trust of, like, even when you got to UCLA versus now, how do you feel, like, to regain that? quote-unquote trust or whatever it is for a team when you restart? To be honest, I've sat in the meetings for a week on what the new movement is, and I don't think it's going to take very long. I think the kids are looking for something to play for, someone to play for. Mm-hmm. Like, the kids are lo- – they want it. And they just, want someone who's and that, got direction. That's something that I watched in transition and I'm watching in a future transition is – 
when there's bad leadership or there's an issue, whether yeah, no it matter what have it is, to be the leader, it could be these sick. are still young men looking yeah. for guidance. Right. It's about oh, getting them to follow you, get them to buy in. Listen, if you're doing the right thing and you have the right energy and everything, they're looking for that. Yeah, that's what they want. They're looking yeah. for that. Yes, they're young men and they they can go in any direction at any second. But they're still looking for that guiding light. And like you said, if it comes in and it's, you know, a name, a big name, not even a big name, but a person with the right... It doesn't have to be a big name. Yeah, but it's yeah. just a feeling you get. Once I'm sure when Scott Frost walked into UCF day one and gave his first talk to the team, I guarantee you there were 10 kids who were like, screw this, I'm, not, I'm quitting, I'm not, oh. I'm not part of this. But then there were 45 kids who were like... This is what I want. Hey, it happens in Central Florida. Yeah. It happens with guys like Davo Sweeney. Like, who in this room? We don't even know the guy. I'd run through a wall for the guy. Right. It's great. Again, it fired. goes back to good people and yeah. bad people. That's so, that's so forgotten is that he was in the hot seat. Like, they were a middling program in the ACC the year, like, a year before they got really good, and he was about to be fired. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, that, that just shows you, like, in this industry, even if you do it the right way, because I don't think there's anybody in the country that will say he's doing it the wrong way. It's it, it's still you know it's not a controlled chaos. Well, you know, texting kids right now, man, it's, it never ends, dude. Yeah. Okay. Kids I, coming in for visits. Like, well, think about this. Like, technically, like, I'm having more fun doing it. But, like, I'm working right now too. I mean, anything you're doing, you're trying to oh, be yeah. great at it. Like, you're trying to be good. You're gonna work. All people day. are like, oh, how'd you do this so quick? I was up till four a.m. every day, like doing nothing but bit, like building a website, building this. Like, I didn't know how to do anything, so I sat there and watched YouTube videos till two in the morning. And the next day, I did it until two in the morning, and then it was done. And I moved on to the next. Eugenie was the guy this week. He's talking about all the different things that he's done from ball boy to PR yeah. intern to assistant coach to head coach to ESPN to offensive guy. Right. To now talking about, hey, maybe I want to be in college or maybe I want to be in France. It never ends, man. Yeah. You have to always understand what you're trying to get into. It it changes over time. Yeah. Like I thought I wanted to be in the NFL and just be at the highest level, the whole Wesleyan thing. Like I need to get there. I need to get there. I need to get there. The most important thing to me is to be on the field and coach guys. And actually coaching the kids, having impact on the kids. So thank you for turning that into a real podcast. Yeah, I just, I, need, I feel it's, like I, that, I, felt like, I felt like that was the first, the first time that it actually turned into all that. Sideline. You got to play me the theme song. Then I'll talk. on everybody this is your host drew lieberman i'm slow packing <laughs> our days here numbered even the way we've come up in the world think about it yeah. we've created the website ourselves we've made this podcast ourselves like everything's been done just by us hustling and you are now listening to the sideline hustle podcast we talk about doing this show yeah we, we laugh and we joke and we complain about how hard we work but if we didn't love to coach we wouldn't be doing it i want the good guys in get them out of here <laughs> <laughs> to me, I think we're broadcasting the day-to-day -day life of what college football is. From the sidelines, we gotta hustle cause we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. So there was, what was the most ridiculous thing you ever had to do as like a student assistant? Didn't someone ask you to get something one time from a store? That's what I want. When I, why, the most ridiculous thing I had, there's two things. One time I was told, I was, I was called to the office. It was like, like my first or second week there. I'm called to the staff room by Rocco. Rocco, Rocco had direct contact oh, to Lou, right? So Rocco's like, Lou, come, come, come to the office. I, I said, all right, cool. So I, here I am. Great. Something important. Finally, <laughs> get to prove myself to these guys. Yeah. Cool. I walk in. 
there's a coach. Coach goes, come here. I want you to remember this name. I said, what is it? I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's a recruit. Maybe I got Ann's House Peanuts. I said, what? Ann's House Peanuts. Repeat it. So Ann's House Peanuts, sir. <laughs> coach gives me a credit card. Says, I need you to go purchase three things of Ann's House Peanuts from Stop and Rob. I said, what? Stop and Rob, he says. So I no problem. So I walk, go, go drive to the, the closest right on Easton Ave. They only have one container of said in-house peanuts. So I'm running around. I'm looking. I, I roll over to the, to the to the guy over who's like stacking. I'm like, hey, you got any more of these? I, I need I need two more. No, we don't. That's all we have. I said, all right, no problem. So then I drive to one in another part of New Jersey. They don't have any. I drive to yet another one on Route 1, and like almost by like Linden right now. Like, like I'm by Newark. They they have one more, but only one more of the one that they wanted. So, so then now, so I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, there's one more that I haven't hit up. It's in Highland Park. All right, it's on the way back to Rutgers. They're either going to have it there or they're not. I don't know what to tell you. So I drove there, and finally have the nuts. So I buy them, so I walk in with the entire order of peanuts for these these guys, right? The first question was, what the f took you so long? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, well, well coach, the, the first place only had one, the second place had none, and the other place, there's one at each place. You should have called ahead. <laughs> Next day, he called me on the phone. He's like, uh, "Just so you know, like I left to go interview up at up, up Buffalo. Like I don't know what's gonna happen." And I was like, "Whatever." Like two weeks later, he calls me basically like, "Yo, I'm gonna get the job. I think they're gonna hire me." And he, so we were like, oh, "Are you sure? Like, you positive get the job?" He's like, "I'm gonna get the job." Tell the head guy. The head guy's like not upset. He's like, "Whatever." Like, "All right, cool. Like, you're going to Buffalo. Like, good for you." So he's like, "All right, you're sure you're getting? It? Like, make sure you're sure. All right, can you sign this letter of resignation or whatever so we can like move forward and find someone else?" So he signs the letter of resignation after we asked him ten times to see sure. Sends it in, HR like finalizes it. The next day he calls me and goes, leaves, I didn't get the job. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like, There's a way you can send the resignation back. And it's like, dude, no play. Like your position, the guy just got fired and then you came here for two months and left. They just want, it's a $12,000 business. They want somebody here's not going to leave. Like, leave my life. <laughs> it's 12000 <laughs> So this guy, <laughs> so Flood was like, yeah, you'll make 17 a year. And in my time, in my head, like all my friends are making 100. I'm like, oh, wow, that's going to be hard. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that's so much money. 17 yeah, oh, my now, now. Oh, my, oh, my God. What do you do with the other 12, you know? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> so I get there. That's going on there. Keep in mind, my first job, like my first task, I've been in college before. It was 5 a.m. I show up, was to pick up the little pieces of trash off the turf for camp that day. That was my first, like, task. I have a picture of him walking out with garlic knots and UPS bags. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, we used to have Italian Tuesday, Steve, and he used to go and he used to come up and take, like, the garlic knots and the meatballs. He put them in. He used to go meatballs and a UPS bag. Go to the recruiting department, take the mail bags, and dump them. I'm sending these to my mother. You know, that's 95 years in a nursing Dollars to go get a peanut for the weight room. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, me too. And then Frank, yeah, and, and then Drew's like, "You're killing him, Bobby." <laughs> it's the only money Rutgers has given me. And Bobby's like, "Bobby's like, Bobby's like five dollars. What do I do with the other You're four dollars?" Bobby. <laughs> he hands the phone to me She's and goes, jerk. "She goes, you need to go down to the training room and get a towel." And come back up, and I'm like, that's weird. And keep it. And I'm like thinking, like, oh, I'm gonna do something cool there, coach. And she's like, you need to go to the staff bathroom over on the defensive end and wet it. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> clue what I'm doing. So I get to the bathroom, telling me that he can't wipe himself. <laughs> and I sat there with a towel, and I'm like, this is a decision to make, Bob. It's your first day. Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yes. It's actually happened. <laughs> I fucked the man's ass with towel. That's what I did. I, I was like, I want to be a college football coach. That's what I want to do. How much did he tip you for that, though? Nothing. I mean, you're getting five for the peanuts. What was I going to do? I had to rock wood you. It was your first day out of college. What are you going to do? That's what I did. That's Seconds, like, you know, you know, leave it open. Leave it open. It's too hot, dude. Like, a true ride or die. Like, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, like, I'm, I'm in this industry. Now. Well, the first thing is, he a good person? You know, does he have character? Is he a partier? This is Ralph Friedgen, former head coach at the University of Maryland. I remember my first year at Maryland. I had this coach, graduate assistant, was pretty good. And we had our Letterman's golf tournament, which is another thing I try to do to bring Letterman back. And I did a crazy thing, you know. They, they charged so much on the, Maryland has their own golf course. Buy beer from them because it was still dining services. They kill you, okay? So one of the guys that owns a local bar there also has a big tournament, and he tells me what he did. He'd hide the beer they put on the carts in the woods, and then the guys would go back there and, um, you know, replenish the beer from the coolers he had in the woods. So I said, that sounds like a good idea. So I did it, and the um, thing where I screwed up is I didn't have the same type of beer that they were selling with the dining services. So they caught my beer, they found my beer, and then were selling it back to us. <laughs> so, so I had this GA, I don't know if he had, was drinking the beer or not, but he ended up driving one of the golf carts down to down the college park and he got drunk. So I got pissed because my coaches knew about this and they didn't take the kid home. So the kid was living in a fraternity house down there. At the time, I could get the GAs in a fraternity house pretty cheap to live. So he goes there and it's about three o'clock in the morning. The guys are out playing basketball and he mouths off, or somebody mouths off to him. He mouths back off to them. The kid was an Irish kid. I remember that. I forget his name right now, but he's still coaching and he's doing a pretty good job. I've Someone told me a while back. Anyway, he gets in this big fist fight and gets the crap knocked out of him. So the police come, and now he's wailing at the police. Now they arrest him for assaulting a police officer, drunk and disorderly. And we're having a spring game the next day. So I come into the office, and there's like three police cars waiting for me. So they tell me all about this. So I said, well, what do we got to do to get the kid out of jail? You know. So I don't know if we posted bond or whatever we did. We, we got him out of jail. But now... I'm trying to keep it quiet. Of course, the papers get a hold of it. I had one reporter that was just, he had to tap into the police force. So anytime anything happened, it'd be in the Washington Post. So as soon as it got to the Washington Post, I got an edict from the president, fire this guy, get him off campus. So I didn't, I didn't have a choice. You know, I felt terrible about it. You know, the kid made a mistake and I had to fire him. But 
I knew he was going to be a good coach. I think hopefully, you know, he's learned from his mistakes. But, you know, so the first thing you want to look for is guys that are not going to cause you problems. Try to avoid them at all costs. Next of all, how hard a worker are they? And so, like, I'm, like, pointing, like, doing some wave drill. Like, literally 12 seconds in, I hear, Andrew! And he's, like, 60 yards away watching the offensive line. So, I'm, like, so I start, like jogging over. I'm, like, get all the way over there. I'm, like, coach, what's up? He looks at me. He's, like, oh, you're here. Looks around, turns to the line, doesn't say anything to me. I'm standing there for like 15 seconds, like nothing. He looks back, he's like, oh, scratch my back, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Everything stops, your line stops, because they're like, is he going to do it or is he not going to do it? What the fuck is going to happen? So I'm sitting there like this, and he's like, turns around, looks at me one more time, like, dude, no. And he goes, so I, I said, dude, I literally go, and I'm like, if my hand sinks in there, and he's like, he's like, oh, oh, right, right. I think it's the first day of camp, and... <laughs> Quarterbacks, we're walking up there. <laughs> we're out there early, and I'm like, I don't know what to expect. Like, this is my first day at Rutgers. This is your first day. Now, my first day. And, like, there's all these golf carts going everywhere. And one's, like, going right through the middle of the field. And, like, it, this is, like, brand new grass. Like, you don't want to go over it with heavy stuff. So, the, the thing's going, and I don't really think much of it. And then all of a sudden, I think it was, uh, I don't know who it was. It's like, I don't, like, I don't really know anybody yet. And the cart's just going. And like at Rutgers, you got the three fields wide. So the cart's just going through the middle of the field. Like 340 cars. <laughs> I think it was, it was either Will or Gil, Ryan. Gil looks like his office. <laughs> you can see it from his office, like half a mile away. <laughs> Everybody like just drops what they're doing and then just it's like a dead sprint for the cart. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> the guy passed out at the wheel driving across and kept his foot in the grass so he was just slowly moving from, from field one to field two. And from that day on, there was a man's job who, at practice, his job was specifically told from that coach, you need to keep that man awake, awake during practice. During practice. He's like, hey, you should try to explain to the fans like, you know, what the convention is. I spent like an hour. I spent an hour like thinking about it. I was like, yo, like, if you've never seen the convention, you don't come to the convention to get a job no, this right. year. Hey, everybody, this is Kyle Weiss, UCLA graduate assistant, Wesleyan grad, 2012. You come to get to convention to work on a job you might get two years from now, or even ten years from now. Yeah, you yeah. never, you yeah. never know when it's gonna. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. for me to go to Cleveland, that came up because I was working in the equipment room during training camp mm -hmm. when I was in college. Hey guys, Steve Hauser here, special teams coordinator, Oklahoma State Wesleyan grad. It took four, three or four years for that to work into right. a quote unquote full time job. Oh, and then that's of you like networking, staying in touch with them, like. Yeah, and legitimate relationships. Like, it doesn't matter how much you want to, and, and I know some guys make a living on this, but sending cards and sending texts, like, it has to be genuine. Like, yeah. you cannot fake that and it no, turn right. into something where somebody's putting their reputation on the line for taking you into the fold. It doesn't mm -hmm. happen any other way than that. Mm -hmm. And like Kyle said, that comes from legitimate FaceTime and actual caring interaction. I don't know, how, how many years ago was it the Louisville convention? Two. I wasn't there. No, I think it was three. It was three years ago. Yeah, you're right. National, San Antonio, Louisville. Yeah, right. Um, so three years ago, before the convention, so I was at Pomona College, mm -hmm. maybe the bottom of the barrel, D3 football. Right. And I was like, I want 
I've always wanted to be at a higher level of football. And so I just, for that whole season, I was just like emailing, cold calling, like anybody I could. Cause I, I was like, screw it, I'm gonna volunteer. Like that's the only way a guy like me coming from D3 who knows nobody's mm -hmm. gonna get into that world. Mm -hmm. So I cold call people for three months during the season. Emails, cold calls, letters, you know, all the while I'm trying to figure out the right way to do it, who to contact, you know. The only people that ever like would say anything to me would be like the DFO. Right. The right. guy who's like, maybe I'll get lucky, he's the right hand man of the head coach, you know, mm -hmm. who knows. So the convention rolls around and I'm just like, I got nothing. I'm going to this convention and I'm, this might be my second or third convention yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, dreading it because when you're a guy who I had a job but like you go to the convention trying to find a job it's like the worst place in the world because no it's depressing and everyone's trying to and everyone's trying to find a job you go to these coaches conventions the national coaching convention and you spend most of the time in the lobby this is Ralph Friedgen former head coach at the University of Maryland just trying to make contacts and you realize how many regular coaches don't have jobs let alone graduate assistants so you really have to be in the right place at the right time know the right people to get a break to get in and then once you do you have to do a good job if you do a good job usually it works out even if it's at a lower level and working your way up but so i go to the convention and the, I, I look at the program and it says dfo convention like for four hours on like monday morning the basement of like the convention place yeah. like the, this like room no one ever goes to and i was like screw it all these guys i emailed right. will probably be it down there right so I'm gonna go sit in this VFO convention. And I skid in there, and the, one of the guys running it is the uh, Oklahoma State guy. I can't remember Max his name. Max the man, Max a legend. Yeah, Max Max up there running it. Um, the DFO from Stanford's up at the front, and he was one of the guys who had gotten back to me. And so I'm like, all right, if anything, I'm gonna wait until a break. I'm listening to them talk about budgeting and like travel, <laughs> Stuff you travel, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. Just, just pulling my hair out. I'm sitting back there like dressed to the nines, like, looking like an idiot, you know? Wearing a Pomona College shirt and people are probably like, what the hell? I'm looking, there's Oklahoma, there's Baylor, there's, you know, UConn. At every school, that, you know, I'd say 50 of the Power Five schools are there. Yeah. They're DFOs. Mm -hmm. UCLA was there, the guy at UCLA. And I'm like, all right, I, I, you know, I've kind of recognized a few. The whole time I'm looking up faces on my cell phone, yeah, yeah. trying to get names. I, I introduce myself to the Stanford guy. He tells me to come work their summer camp. Usually they'll hire a volunteer from their summer camp, mm -hmm. whatnot. And so I'm like, all right, that's something. I go up to the UCLA guy who I've emailed a million times. And he he's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And like, just like shrugs me off. He's talking to more important people. And like, I was like, so dejected, like, gosh, man, like, you know, and like I wasted four hours sitting in this DFO convention. Yeah. And, you know, I introduced myself to a few people. I'm like, all right, screw it. I go back to the regular convention, whatever. I go home and I just email everyone again and say, hey, it was great to meet you. Yeah, even though I didn't, yeah, yeah, good for you, even bro. though I didn't meet him, let's say, but hey, it was great to meet you. Right. Still very interested in volunteering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get nothing. For, I get crickets, man. I hear nothing for, I can't remember the timeline, but all of a sudden, uh, two weeks later, Louisiana Lafayette emails me. He's like, are you serious? You're going to volunteer? I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And as long as it takes me to drive there, I'll be there. Right. You know, like, I don't right. care. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, let me call you back uh, with a couple other guys. We just want to like, you know, interview you. And I was like, all right. Calls me back. I do an interview with Louisiana Lafayette. I remember you telling me. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, uh, he's like, all right, well, I'll let you know in a couple days, like what we think, whatnot. 
I go to Vegas, meet my parents in Vegas, like, and I am like the lowest of low. I can't get a hold of anybody, man. Like, I get a call from the guy, Louisiana Lafayette. I was like in the casino. And I'm like, I'm like hiding in the corner trying to make it quiet. It's yeah. like, cha-ching, 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 <laughs> like going off. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know. He's like, I'm in the car. Uh, I don't have much time to talk. I just want to let you know the job is yours. If you want it, you can volunteer. We'll take you. He's like, I'm sure you got a lot of questions. You can call me back uh, or I'll call you back later this afternoon. We'll talk about it. I'm like, awesome. Right. I'm like, I'm like in tears, you know, I'm like yeah. telling my parents, I'm going to Louisiana. Like yeah. I'm going to work for the Raging Cajuns and no lie, 10 minutes later, 10 minutes, maybe not even 10 minutes, like five minutes later, email comes in from the DFO at UCLA. The guy who barely said hi to me yeah. is like, Hey, you still want to volunteer? Um, if you still want to, we'll interview you sometime next week. And I was like, Oh my God. So now I don't know what to do. So I'm like, I'm going to Louisiana, you know, like, and I can't wait a week to interview. So I called Waylon at Wesleyan and I said, Hey coach, here's the deal. Like I got this scenario. What do I tell? My question to him was, what do I tell Louisiana Lafayette? And he's like, what do you mean? What do you tell Louisiana Lafayette? He's like, go tell UCLA. You got a job offer, but you'd rather be there and force the issue on them. And I'm like, uh, really? Like, <laughs> take some balls, you know, like, so I, I, Call the guy at UCLA. I'm like, hey, I just got offered a job at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, is there any way we can do this interview tomorrow? Meanwhile, I'm in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, he's like, and he's like, yeah, let me call you back. Let me see what we can do. Calls me back. He's like, yeah, be here at seven in the morning tomorrow. And I was like, all right. So I say bye to my parents. Drive back to LA. Go in the next day, at seven a.m. Interview with like him and three other guys for like a recruiting assistant volunteer position. Yeah. You know? They get back to me that afternoon and offer me the job. To this day, I still have not heard back from Louisiana Lafayette. You know how he's like, I'm going to call you back that afternoon? Stop. I never heard back. Never wow. heard back. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Yeah. And me, I take it as like, holy shit, I got a job. Yeah. For it's nothing. Crazy. And I'm moving across the country <laughs> to Louisiana. Yeah. Like the Cajun capital of America. Like It's crazy. Yeah. And at the time, Hudspeth had won the... Uh, what was that bowl they always go to down there in the New Orleans Bowl? New Orleans Bowl. They had won that like three years in a row. He was rolling. And now he got fired. It's crazy looking at that. Yeah. I guess I would have got fired either way. Either way I went. Either way, yeah. Yeah. So the convention, man, like whether you meet a guy or not, write the dude where you want to work and say, hey, it was nice to meet yeah. you. Because they're going to meet so many people. That, that's what I think the, the convention, like, it, it, it's just a test, I think, for young coaches for your, your ability to socialize and your ability to also like, be diligent and follow up with things. Like I feel the same way where I feel like I've made headway at the convention by like, like having meaningless interactions but following up with an email, following up with a letter. Yeah, it's, everyone's got their story. You know, I got my chance through playing at Wesleyan and going to Cleveland and having a little bit of, you know, name in my resume and then getting a chance out of the blue to go to Oklahoma State. And then you just, you better work your tail off once you get there because yeah. if not, nobody's going to give you a chance. Like, you get that footing in the door and the same thing that Kyle's talking about of all the opportunities you then make for yourself because now you have the FaceTime. You have the capital that not many people get to. All the people are standing in that convention hall to get the chance to be there every single day and just be a guy and to just be in that room. And then you prove who you are by just what you do every single day. You can't you can't take that for granted that it's not about just getting in the room, it's once you're in the room to be comfortable in your own skin and then letting those people make the decisions. That's all you can ask for is a chance. Just asking for a chance. Just asking for a chance. Yeah. Just a chance, like just an outside chance. And what's crazy is even if you work hard enough and you are 
smartest game. smartest kid in the room. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. Or you can move up and the head coach could cheat and you'll get fired anyway. Yeah. There's a million things that There's a million doing. factors. A lot of luck. Is but at least you'll be all right. Like if you take care of yourself and your family has the right expectations and that we were talking with the Rutgers guys in here earlier and there's people with kids and wives and families and salaries and insurance policies. Right. Like, like I'm lucky enough that my wife works in admissions and I have benefits through her. Right. Like, and she's been along this thing the whole way. You guys all knew her from way back when, like yeah. she's still the same girl that takes care of me and, and yeah. we got things all right. But if that wasn't the case, like, yeah, I'd be sleeping in the office. Like right. that would be a different scenario. Like it's just every person has their own situation and you better know what you're getting yourself into, because if not, it's a rude awakening. Oh, I'll say this. I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like, I thought I did it. I was ready to work. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I'll grind all like. Here's the other thing. When I was in Cleveland and I was doing the equipment thing and trying to, you know, impress people and trying to, because eventually you're going to graduate and you're going to have a chance to say, hey, let me help you with this and be like, I didn't understand. One guy told me once, he said, hey, I appreciate you wanting help, but if I just do this myself, I'll get it done in 20 minutes. If I have to explain it to you and get it back, it'll take an hour. Because you you have to be efficient. That's your job description is to be efficient and to keep the trains running on time. Mm -hmm. Every description is different of what somebody expects from you or what your experiences previous to that job will be different. Like you just have to be able to take what you have and own it. And that's and honestly, that's a challenge every single day because everyone wants more, myself included. Like you get you get anxious and you start to try to bite off more than you can chew. And you, you have to go back to that core midline of what you were asked to do and to knock the hell out of that job. Because yep. if not, you're wasting your time and you're wasting other people's time. Yeah, I, I spent two years like just hating being told I can't coach because yeah. I'm not a yeah. full-time coach or a GA. Yeah. Like, so it took two years of just like scratching and clawing just to get to that GA position yeah, right. that like in my mind, I'd GA again for like three years. Just you know, different. if yeah. I wasn't, now I obviously would want to be a full-time coach, but I would be a GA for three years over analyst. Yeah. I got a awesome girl that essentially supports me. And if she's going to continue, awesome, bro, yeah. you know, she's going to continue to do that. I'll make nothing just to be able to coach. Yeah, which is great. Like, I, I like feel, I'd rather I do that and make 24 grand a year than make 50 grand a year being an analyst. That I totally agree with. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the same boat. I agree with that. I mean, it's a whole new world. First off, it's a whole new world. So guys like us that are that are talking about this right now, that are twenty whatever, early thirties, because that's what it's getting to. You guys are getting to early thirties before it is, you know, basically you're there or you're not that you're going right. to be that full time guy or whatever. Right. But it's a whole different generation. Like this whole money cable TV, you know, subscription networks to the Pac twelve or Big Twelve or Big Ten or whatever it is. Like that drives what basically what our academic athletic programs can function on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what somebody 20 years before you did, like their path isn't going to be your path. Right. You have to understand right. that. Right, right. So you have to be okay with what you choose. And it, it is a choice. It is a choice. Now, if you're lucky enough to have that choice, good for you. If not, I'm never, I'm never going to tell somebody to just keep grinding to grind and keep your head down. Like you have to make your own opportunity. Yeah. Like that's as true as it can get. We own
That's it, episode 17, part three of the Coaching Carousel series is a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I actually got kicked out of the library while trying to produce this episode because I was laughing so hard. This business is crazy, man. Like I mentioned in the beginning, part four of the Coaching Carousel series will come out tomorrow, January 23rd. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Quick shout out to all the Sideline Hustle supporters. You guys have been killing it on social media. I put out a Teach Tapes episode yesterday about Julian Edelman during the Patriots game and it blew up on Twitter and helped us pick up a ton of exposure, so thank you guys. Teach Tapes is definitely going to become an even bigger focus of ours going forward because I think we've really created a great resource to help players and coaches improve their games, you know, via social media. So make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sideline Hustle to see the latest Teach Tapes and stay up to date with everything, as well as new episodes of Sideline Stories, which will come out this week as well. I'm also going to start up the Forward Progress podcast again, which will serve as a window into the process of, of growing the Sideline Hustle as a brand and as a business. So if you guys are interested in what we're doing behind the scenes, look out for Forward Progress every week as well. Thank you guys for spending some time with us today. We'll be back at it again tomorrow with part four of the Coaching Carousel series. Peace! Peace.